0: Welcome to the Ask SQL Family Podcast. This is episode number 25. And our guest today is Rob Farley.
1: Rob Farley is a Microsoft Certified Master, Microsoft Certified Trainer, and is a recipient of the Microsoft MVP Award for SQL Server since 2006. Rob provides consulting and training courses around the world in SQL and BI topics. His community involvement keeps him quite busy, as well as running the Adelaide SQL Server User Group. He is a former director of PaaS and helps coordinate many events around the world. He has also assisted Microsoft Learning in developing many certification exams. Writes a blog and co-writes Professional SQL Server 2012 Internals and Troubleshooting. On his blog, you can find him writing about various SQL topics, particularly TSQL and the Query Optimizer. Hello, Rob. Uh, could you introduce yourself at the beginning of our conversation?
2: Sure. Um, my name is Rob Farley. I I live in Australia, in Adelaide, and mm. uh, and I've come to Wrocław to to be a speaker at the uh, at the SQL Day event this year, which is uh, it's great to to be in Poland for the first time. Cool, yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Be able to hang out with you all.
1: Yeah, so basically we are after the first day of SQL Day Conference two to 2019. Yeah, <laughs> after your workshop today,
2: mm-hmm.
1: how it was? How did you find it?
2: It was it was good. I uh, I'm I'm tired now because you know that's that's what happens when you do a workshop all day. It's just uh, I think it's it's got an intensity that uh, that you know teaching a, a three day class or a five day class doesn't really have because of the the I don't know the, the, the pace of it all the 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 level of content that you're getting through the the engagement with the audience that you're getting through. Um, the fact that it's it's just it's speaking all day. It's not there's no lab time and so on. So I find that I find that you've got the length that makes it tiring because you're on mm. your feet all day, but you don't have time to say okay and now do this lab like you do in a, in a regular training class. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, so by the end of a day of workshop, I'm just like, huh, I feeling old and jet <laughs> and all of this kind of stuff. But no, it was a it was a fun day. I, I do it all without a computer. At all, I'm I'm writing on a, on flip charts. I'm getting people in the audience to stand up, holding them, and, and things like that. I'm getting people up to be able to demonstrate how to run queries as execution plan operators, and uh, and so it's a it's a fun day, but oh, it's tiring. Mm-hmm. It's good. I think I think the people enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned basically two things that I w- we would like to ask. So the first one is sure. jet lag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're living in Australia now. Yeah. So yeah.
2: And uh, and. So I had uh, I had a twenty-seven-hour trip, I think, to get here. I had about fourteen hours to fly from Adelaide to Doha in mm-hmm. Qatar, and then uh, and then about six hours, six and a half hours, from Doha to Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. And then I had a few hours in the airport there, and then the short one-hour flight from Frankfurt to yeah that was to, easy. to Krasnoyarsk. <laughs> and I've learned. I, I I'm hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Frotswaf, right? It's yeah, just quite good.
1: It's yeah, it, it, it
2: just looks like rock law. Yeah, but, but it's not. I, but it's not. It's Frotswaf.
1: Yeah, perfect. Yeah,
2: but for anybody, any anybody who's not Polish, listening to this, it's just like, what's that? Well, place? Yeah, exactly, it's the one yeah. that starts with <laughs> W R, right? And it's just like, yeah, Frotswaf makes no sense. But yeah. I, I think I spent like three days learning how to say it, <laughs> and I'm almost there now. Which is excellent.
1: yeah, but you are learn it, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> don't worry, yeah
2: but yeah, it's a lo- long trip and i and i it's it's only seven and a half hours time difference at this time of year because we've got winter in Australia and mm-hmm. summer here and uh and it's about the same temperature it's a bit a bit colder here at the moment but uh but the time difference is only seven and a half hours, but it, it's that long flight that just yeah. takes it out of you. So I'm. It's only it's only nine thirty here at the moment, but it feels like it's about eleven thirty to me. Yeah, yeah. But I'll probably still be awake at four in the morning, going, "I'm awake, I'm awake," because my body has no clues what's so going ho- on.
1: how 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 did you survive that flight? <laughs> I still can you know imagine. Well, my longest so flight was to the USA, and uh, it was like nine or ten hours. It yeah. was like just just enough, you know.
2: Yeah, well, I I left Adelaide in the evening. My flight left there at ten fifteen PM, mm-hmm. and and it was like it felt like it was an all night, you know, that that fourteen hours, uh, and I and I got to Doha in the morning, and uh, I'm, you know the way that I was flying there, that it was really just kind of all night and getting to Doha, in, you know, like six o'clock in the morning, something like that, because of the time difference and so on. But my problem is that with my heights and everything like that, I. I really don't sleep particularly well, so I had worked all day on the Friday. Friday night, I got onto a plane. And I sat there trying to sleep, but didn't. Ended up, you know, watching hmm. films and reading books, and you know, thinking through I- other ideas. You know, trying not to rewrite my, my workshop, <laughs> that kind of thing. There's always this tendency of just going, "Oh, I should rework that. I should re- no, I should leave it exactly how it was. <laughs> it was fine. I don't need to rework it." But, uh, but I think the, essentially when I got here, I was like, yeah, I've been up all night. It's now, by the time I arrived in Frottsworth, it was like 6pm on Saturday and I felt like I'd been up for, you know, 40 hours or something like that. It was was about 40 hours since I'd woken up mm, on the Friday mm. morning until I was laying. It was about 40 hours that I was up and I was... I landed and I was already ready to to sleep. Yeah. But then I ended up only sleeping about six hours before I was like, well, I'm awake. <laughs> Just, it's a it's a cruel cruel thing the concept of, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. jet lag and time zones and and so on.
1: <laughs> you know, basically, no. <laughs> this when when you, until you you try on your own, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's oh, actually, it's way easier to do it on my own than with with the family if I. I remember I remember taking long haul flights with the kids when when they're little and mm-hmm. and of course then you've got kids that are awake, and they don't know that they need to actually still be sleeping because it's nighttime outside and so on they're just like when I wake, it's time to play, isn't it? and <laughs> I remember having like you know flying with, with when my oldest was three he's now twenty one and and becoming a pilot he he actually i today because I was here, I missed the ceremony when he got his wings um and uh it was heartbroken to miss it but you know this this trip has been arranged for over a year and we only found out the date of his ceremony mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. F- a few weeks ago but uh but i remember when he was about three and we did long-haul flights between the uk and australia and uh, and yeah and having days of him just being awake at night going, i want to play i want to play it's nice. I'm, I'm awake and just being like, no, you've got to try and adjust. He's like, no, I need to be up and playing because I'm awake. Yeah, yeah. It, that's way worse. It's way better when you've got kids that are old enough to get that, to understand the concept of mm. now you need to be trying to be asleep, now you need to be trying to be awake. Instead of when they're little enough, they just walk along. And if, if they're tired, they fall to the floor and they sleep. Yeah, yeah. We with their so problems. Yeah. Travelling by yourself is way easier.
1: True. Sure. Before we go to the next question, so because you mentioned that you were flying between Australia and UK, so yeah. basically we met, uh, I think, first time during the MVP summit, yeah.
2: So I think so. Any, yeah, only a couple months ago.
1: Yeah. So um, uh, you mentioned that basically you're born in UK, quite yeah. close to the place when I'm I, I now. wasn't
2: born close to where you live. I, uh, okay. I spent I spent like the time that I remember living um, as a as a child in the UK. I left the UK when I was fourteen, nearly fifteen. Mm-hmm. I did four years of high school. Mm-hmm. All through primary school and so on, but uh but you live in Stevenage. Yes. And I <laughs> and I uh I, I live close enough to Stevenage to have a Stevenage postcode.
1: Yeah.
2: I was uh, I, I was S G four for me and you're S G one or something like yeah, that. But yeah. uh but it's so it was like only eight,
1: a, I, eight I, miles or something, maybe I mean even no, less, even, even less. Not yeah. even. I think yeah. about
2: four miles from well, maybe, yeah. from where you are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I we used to do our shopping in Stevenage, and it was my local cinema was in Stevenage mm, yeah, and yeah. so on. So I remember, I remember seeing <laughs> movies in the eighties in Stevenage. But wow! Uh, <laughs> Probably it was, uh, it
1: was completely different, uh, different city. At that I have time. no
2: idea because yeah. I haven't been back there for quite mm-hmm. a while. But mm. uh, I think the last time I was there was I don't know, two thousand two maybe something like that. And uh and so I mean I have been back since. It hadn't changed mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. those thirteen odd years. It's in the in the you know, seventeen odd years since I hope that it's changed. Mm-hmm. Because, you know. But <laughs> next, next time if you it will,
1: if you will be in UK or very similar yeah. In the,
2: yeah, visit us. <laughs> I still have family <laughs> in Hertfordshire, so I Okay. I uh I I have family again in Bushy. So, uh, so down near Watford, mm-hmm. but uh, so I, I still see that part of the world, you know, when I'm over there. But I, I can't say I tend to explore up to the area that I used to live in, around uh, around Stevenage, very much. Uh huh. Maybe, well, maybe one year I'll explore and see, see how much things have changed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Would you worth. You're not curious?
2: <laughs> I'm a little bit curious. It's just the. It's a long way to go.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: true.
2: Yeah, and if I'm if i over there, then. <laughs> but I'm now, now
1: you are you are here. You are very close. You know. Like. <laughs> yeah,
2: but now on Thursday I'm flying home again because I miss my family. And if I'm on something like this, I don't really feel like I get the chance to have an extended time away and so on. So about mm-hmm. a year ago, mm-hmm. I had a trip to the UK. I went to Sequel Bits, um, and uh, and um, and I saw family and uh, and but my grandmother died and I stayed for the funeral. I was going to be heading over the past summit, sorry, so the MVP summit mm-hmm. that year, but uh, but stayed in the UK for the funeral and went home again. But uh, but but that was a year ago, a year and a bit ago, and I haven't been back to the UK since. I need to probably arrange more trips to go there, but I. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still a big effort. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I need to take the family at some point, and so on. So it becomes an even bigger effort.
4: You yeah, have mentioned okay. that your know. roots are from UK, but how did you start working with SQL Server? It was in UK, or it was when you moved? Yeah, when No, I uh, so I I didn't
2: I so I mean I, I was still in high school when I moved to Australia the first time like when I moved to Melbourne and uh, my I moved with my family because I was you know still a teenager and um, when I finished high school in Melbourne I went to university in Melbourne mm-hmm. and I got my first you know my first proper IT job, I shouldn't say proper IT job because I was working in the computer science department um, while I was still at uni so I kind of argue my first IT job was while I was still a student working on stuff within the university but my first post-university job was was in a consulting firm in in, in Melbourne mm-hmm. and uh, back in the days of VB3 and 4 and and things like that and it was and, the, da- and the, da- the database was just a necessary part of the application development that we would do for our clients yeah, and the yeah. consulting and so on. And, it was, you know, and I started to realize that the, that the database was very important and so on. And, uh, but I, I kept being a, you know, primarily an application development person. I became a project manager and all that kind of stuff. Moved back to the UK for a couple of years in 2000, 2001, 2002, that kind of time frame. Um, and then we moved to Adelaide after that where my wife grew up. But, uh, and still I was in application development and saw the database as, yeah, as part of that mm-hmm. but was mostly on the application development side. And then, uh, and, then, and then I kind of got into the SQL community and I started to, to realize that actually you could be a SQL Server Specialist and you could, I mean, I, the database always nicely clicked with me. I'd done pure maths at uni and so the database concepts just kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. It was. It felt very natural for me, mm-hmm. and and over time, I I started presenting at things. I started to run a user group. I started to, you know, attend conferences and speak at conferences, and and quite, you know, and and over that time, people started to ask me to to help them with their SQL Server stuff, and uh, and I, and I became a SQL Server consultant rather than you know, having a career moving through the application development, mm-hmm. you know, management side, you know, at some point you become a project manager and then you become some other level of manager and some other level of manager. The management stuff never interested me. Mm-hmm. I was interested in providing services to clients. So, so when I got the chance to be able to set up my own consultancy and, you know, specializing in SQL Server stuff, mm-hmm. that just kind of worked. But... uh but that was after I had already become a SQL MVP, and and that was mostly because I like I found that I had an act of yeah. presenting and running a user group and so on in the SQL Server space and be able to explain database concepts to people mm-hmm. because I just understood it slightly differently to where that most did because I because it, because of the math side I think because I studied set theory and number theory and logic and so on and I saw how things related to each other and and I've always seen databases as slightly different to the way that most other people see them it's how I can get away with doing a a workshop for a whole day without turning a computer on once (laughs) just using a flip chart and drawing concepts and getting people to stand there holding pieces of paper and all of this kind of stuff because 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 i i i learned about how what it's doing and how it's doing it and why it's doing it in various ways and the relationship between things and mm-hmm. and so on and those concepts along the lines of if you can actually persuade the computer to run your query the way that you would do it on paper if you could mm-hmm. the fact that the computer will do that obviously much quicker actually just works out really well and the fact that you would be prepared to do that on paper if you had to do it on paper, the computer then doing it a million times faster than what you would, makes for a really well running query. As opposed to doing it some way that you would never dream of doing it by hand because it would never be able to finish. Well, sure the computer might do it quicker, but that's that's a poorly performing query. It might take minutes to run when mm-hmm. it should be taking milliseconds if you could persuade it to do it the way that would take minutes by hand. You know? so. So I guess that's how I got into SQL mm. Server was just because I was an application developer and started to see that actually the only thing that really mattered was the database. And which, that I which was the version? The of better w- than sorry
4: we, uh, Which was the SQL Server version that you started working with?
2: Well, my first that that would have probably been SQL 6.0 because because back in you know the, the mid to late 90s when I got a job. You know, outside of university, working for for clients who had databases and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was what one of my earliest clients was running SQL six point and then I helped them with an upgrade to SQL six point five. But but I was mostly on the application development side. It was just that you know, and in fact, interestingly, I had a, one of those clients who the the one that we had upgraded from six to six point five. I. I didn't realize at the time, but I I developed a, a cube kind of concept where I created, for the sake of their reporting, I created tables of aggregates and so on. Mm-hmm. This was before the concept of, mm-hmm. of, of the of OLAP Q- stuff came out, which was in SQL 7, right? mm-hmm. I, I made tables with aggregates and, and all of that so that I could get reports to run more quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I just had no idea that what I was doing was was. Really similar to what became yeah it was natural for you the services. natural idea yeah? <laughs> How to it was just like oh, I just well, I mean that's the thing I, I, if I'd mm. if I'd known at the time maybe I could have become an analysis services specialist back then but instead I had done that and I kept working in the relational space and all that kind of stuff and I moved into project management and all of these kinds of stuff and then and then I felt like it was only years later getting towards the sequel two thousand and five release when I when I got into other things like analysis services, mm-hmm. which I saw is a, you know, fantastic part of the, the product. I mean, most of the SQL Server things are so relevant to, you know, to the overall data solution side, But um, but I had no idea that I had been doing BI so long before <laughs> it was actually a thing inside. Uh,
1: so you you were, were doing uh, the, the the aggregation tables before even you know the indexed view happened. Yeah. And, and oh appeal. yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, 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 indexed views were always one of those things that was, <laughs> was painful. But I was, I just I looked at various reports that this particular client had, and I saw that they were just taking too long to run. And so on. I worked out, hey, you know what? If I create a table that has these, I can roll them up really nicely and easily and all that kind of stuff. And I mm. made these tiny tables that had the, the main aggregates that yeah. I could group in different ways and so on to make these reports run really quickly.
3: Yeah.
2: I just spent a few you know, a few hours in fact getting these tables ready with this has to be the sum across this, and this has to be the sum across that, and this has to be the, cross, the sum across something else. And it was—they yep. felt quite painful to process. Yeah. but I had no idea that what I was doing was was really similar to what you did when you processed a cube years later yeah, data in a multi dimensional yeah. world. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm, true, true. Yeah. So
2: that was. So yeah, I had an interesting experience overall in getting to become a SQL Server specialist.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But these, even these days, it's, I think it's hard to be a SQL Server specialist because the product are so wide. Yeah. But then, how does somebody become an application development specialist? You know, somebody somebody becomes a specialist. C sharp programmer, for example, and C sharp is huge these days, mm-hmm. and it keeps changing really quickly. And so on. Mm-hmm. I don't see it's. I, these days, people tend to be a specialist in a in a smaller and smaller area, while the products are growing around them. And uh, and I think, I think in some ways I've been lucky that uh, that that core concepts around data, whether that's SQL DB or SQL DW or or SQL Server On-Prem or a hybrid and so on, most of the concepts about what you do with data and how you tune stuff with data and the significance of data within an organization really isn't changing all that much. Yeah.
1: It's still the same, the same rules. A lot
2: of it is still the same kinds of concepts. Sure, Mm -hmm. we've got different kinds of indexes and we've got Mm. all kinds of different things, but that foundation... Mm. Is way more stable than than many other things. You know, you look at how you create a web page these days; it was totally different to what you did twenty years ago. Yeah, sure. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. You know, you've got the MVC and all the different kinds of things, and even that's old hat these days. And c- when I could look when I look at what we did twenty years ago, for that it was old classic ASP. From
1: the database mm. perspective, yes. But
2: exactly from the database, it could <laughs> Still the, the same. Almost it the could same. be almost exactly the same database. Yeah. Probably just different indexing strategies mm. and mm. so on. And you know, different compression settings and <laughs> things like Maybe
1: that. less types, like some some of them are deprecated the yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But the concept, the main concept is the right. same, yeah? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they remain I, the same.
2: And I find that in many ways reassuring, because at the end of the day, people want their data to be reassuring. They don't want to feel like their data is the one that's going through all kinds of changes. They want mm-hmm. that stability, because their the data is what defines what they do and what they find important. And if they lose their data, they, they, they struggle to stay around. Mm
4: -hmm. Uh, Did you try to explore the world outside of SQL Server like other database engines?
2: Well when I was doing application development we we had plenty of clients that were using Oracle and MySQL and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so I've, and so there was a time when actually I felt stronger in PLSQL than I did in T-SQL. But, uh, but I always in some ways I always preferred SQL Server because it felt like It it always felt like for me that to be an Oracle specialist, um, it was that like it was some sort of world of dark magic, you know. The the list of things that you needed to learn, all that kind of stuff. The Oracle DBAs were, you know, somewhere else, and they were, you know, and it was. I always felt like they were the ones who were standing in front of the room full of switches and knowing, you know, yep, I'll go and tweak that, I'll go and tweak the other. Whereas SQL Server, was just like, we'll, we'll 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 perform just as well, but we'll give you way fewer switches to play with because we understand that that uh, that you know it's got to be more user friendly to be able to get a proper foothold in the you know in in the database space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like Microsoft knew more about what they wanted to achieve, rather whereas Oracle seemed like they wanted to achieve you know the ability to change absolutely any setting and to make sure that. To be an Oracle DBA, to be an Oracle expert, really in any way, you needed to to make sure that you had dedicated your whole life to to the platform and so on. And and I mean, I'm sure these days SQL Server is the the wider platform is is just as complicated as Oracle was back then. You know. Yeah, because there's. Much the more sheer mm, number of things that are coming mm, through.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: more products in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Services, the SQL yeah. Server is more yeah.
2: of a platform than a product these days, yeah, but it's… Yeah, like
1: uh, <laughs> Python, Java, right. SQL <laughs> right. Server or Linux, you know, yeah. Dockers. <laughs> so
2: many things that, it, that <laughs> the SQL Server suddenly has all, all these different different facets to it. That it's just like, really? Okay, so I haven't played enough with that yet. I haven't played with these other things so much yet and Yeah, things like that, but…
1: I always, I also try, I mean, I remember like always I try to avoid the Java and (laughs) then I just find out myself that, okay, Java is in
2: SQL Server now.
1: I mean, you will be, and not, yes, sorry, it's 2019,
2: yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's, but at the end of the day, I always felt like the Microsoft database platform had a better future than the Oracle one, simply because it, it didn't feel like the room full of switches that I could fiddle with it felt like it was it was that it was they had significant switches not just switches that seemed like they were pointless mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so I always I always thought that the SQL Server was was the better option but I would I never felt like more was mature
1: a, product like huh?
2: yeah and I ne- but also I never felt like I was a proper DBA I've never been one for managed services. I've never been the person who's been on call in just in case this, the box goes down. I'll happily help people whose, yeah. whose databases go down and I know how to, you know, one of the things I was talking about today was fixing corruption and things like that, which is a very, you know, it's a pure DBA thing. It's not a, it's not a development process or anything mm. like that. It's a pure DBA and I understand a lot, of you know, I can't think of many things that I that I don't get in that DBA space. I just don't want to be the person who's on call, who has to then fix something. Mm -hmm. I'll happily answer my phone if it rings in the middle of the night with somebody saying, oh my goodness, my database has gone down, can you help? The answer is always, yes, of course. (laughs) But I I don't want to be a DBA. Mm -hmm. Because the DBA is the person who just makes sure that 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 the customer's data stays up. And I'm like, yeah, but actually, this data should be serving the business. You should be able to use it to improve what you do and mm. be able to improve what you know and be able to help you make decisions and all of that kind of thing. The data should be serving, whereas the DBA serves the data to make sure that it's always there. Yeah. Doesn't, whereas I'm a consultant, I help the data serve the business. Which is way more fun, I think.
3: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. You mentioned about the whiteboards. I've s- I've seen the sentence on your Twitter account, and also uh, you used these whiteboards during the during today' workshops. Yeah, what 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 was the idea? Uh, how did you came up with that idea to use the whiteboards? Um, and, uh, and the do you use on, on the on the regular session as, as
2: well? All. Or actually, I won't use it in the t- in the two sessions that I'll be uh, that I'm giving. In the rest of the week, I, I won't even use a whiteboard. I'll just uh, one of them is going to be a discussion. I mm-hmm. could use a whiteboard in that one, I guess. But uh, and the other one is the one I'm doing tomorrow is um, is me talking about movies and all things. It's it's more like a like a like a a uh, uh, you know career development style talk. So that one that one is just me talking about seeing yourself in movies.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I but there will be a, a little bit about databases, here? <laughs> uh, maybe
2: <laughs> not much. Not much. <laughs> I might mention Power BI at one point. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it's um, the this is a session that I've given as a keynote before, and uh, and it's it's all about uh, it's all about how some of some of my favourite movies relate very closely to the career of. of IT professionals, of SQL people, of data people, mm-hmm. and so on. So it's a, it's a fun session, but it's, it's a bit different probably to all of the other talks that are going to be, be on this week. But my the, the workshop doing it completely without a computer and so on is because, because I actually think that when you're, when you're using a whiteboard or a flip chart and you're demonstrating things in more hands-on practical kinds of ways, you know, where I'm getting people to hold up pieces of paper where I'm explaining, okay, so we're going to access the data here, and then we've got, we don't have all the information we've got to look up, and so we're going to take that address of the, of the underlying row, and we're going to go and find that over here, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so on, and explaining to people what's going on with internals and showing them this is what a page looks like on paper. Mm-hmm. I find that it kind of it triggers different, different parts of the brain such that hopefully they will have learnt, the people that were in the room, of course will have learnt about these internal SQL concepts mm-hmm. in a way that might stick with them, in a way that means that they're actually thinking more about the paper concepts instead of the computer concepts. Cause you know, the way to make SQL run well is to think about the paper. How how you would solve something by hand rather than how you would have it done on the computer. If I'm showing the internals of a page as soon as I do that on a computer, people are just like, oh, what's that, what's that, what's that? And they get distracted by the amount of information that's there. When I'm explaining that on paper, they I can just go, there's some header information, I just draw a few squiggles on the page. And here's the way the data is, and I go, this is, this, is, this is the bit that we want to focus on. And they don't get so distracted by the other stuff in the middle. Right? Mm-hmm. And I don't have to think about filling up like 8K of data, I'm just filling up a few things that I'm drawing on the board, Mm -hmm. saying, oh, I'm going to say this is full now, we're going to move to the next page We demonstrate how page splits are and all of that kind of stuff in ways that hopefully people get better or or think about differently or, you know, lives in a different part of the brain because I'm Mm -hmm. not using a computer.
1: Yeah, and they, they, they can focus on what you are sh- sharing and what you yeah. are explaining, basically, in your own pace,
2: basically, yeah? Yeah, and, and without the strange distraction that the computer is mm-hmm. to the people sitting in the room. For some, for some reason, if I'm there dancing about in front of them, and, you know, using pens on a, on a whiteboard or a flip chart, rather than sitting at the desk running a query demonstrating what the, a query plan and saying what's going on there, if I'm actually demonstrating that to, that to them and getting people out from the audience and saying, hey, you now you've got data, go and tell that person, go and get that information from them and then put it here and all of this kind of stuff, then that's, mm-hmm. that's helping them see what's going on in yeah. a very different mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. to actually running queries on the computer. Yeah. But but it's understand. still very useful, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I figure I'll be different seems to work
4: how are you preparing yourself for a speech
2: for my for my sessions yeah for a yeah. session for workshop for the it's 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 tricky to a large degree it's about knowing the technical material you know really well if i'm going to be doing a session where i'm talking about SQL internals i want to make sure that i I know everything that I care about. Right? Mm-hmm. I need I need to be able to anticipate some of the questions people are going to be asking. If I need to be able to demonstrate how a forwarding row looks like, you know, how how that works. And so on I need to make sure that I know what I know how that works. I know how I'm going to explain that and so on. Knowing that material really well actually means that it gives me a bit of freedom to be able to then design the journey that I'm taking people on.
4: So it's starting with some kind of the subject that you would like to present or it's starting with a clear sheet of paper and then you are just starting with the concept and then adding something or it's different?
2: Um, Typically it's thinking about the kinds of things that I'm wanting to explain to somebody. So often often it's thinking about the conversations that I've had with people, the, the things that I've explained to clients, the things that I've, the things that I, you know, the times that I've needed to try and adjust somebody's thinking about something or whatever the case may be. And I, and I can see the story that I'm wanting to tell to the audience. I, I get the concepts that I'm wanting to, to, to explain to them the mindsets that I'm wanting to, to nudge a bit in one direction or another. and. And then it starts to, the overall session starts to form because, because I'm thinking about the ways to explain the things,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and I start to feel what can work as ways to explain things and what might not work with how to explain things, and I and I have a good idea about what I can talk about in an hour and in two hours and and so on. Mm-hmm. And that, uh,
4: you have mentioned that you are avoiding to make the last changes like in last minute just before the session. Is it always like that, or it
2: depends? I always, I always end up feeling. I always end up feeling like, um, as a strange amount of stress with presentations. I always feel like I'm. I le- let me be clear. I will have. I, I will have. I will have how the talk is going to go from ages beforehand, but uh, as I as I get closer to the to the to actually delivering the talk, I always keep feeling like I'm wanting to tweak some bits and (laughs) so on. And that's that's not actually the best way of doing things. You want to be like, no, 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 this is prepared and it's fine, and we'll see how we go.
1: You should just make like code freeze <laughs> yeah 3 days really,
2: before yeah absolutely. Talk because it's just that adrenaline about i've got a talk coming up that makes you want to mm. tweak the thing and uh, yeah, and you don't want to be doing that mm. it's just it's not good <laughs> um you know as, i mean i don't even really try to plan new jokes beforehand <laughs> like there was one that i there was one there was a jo- joke that i developed for this week because I'm in Poland, where I I say to the people in the room, ah, oh, so I've been learning some Polish. I've learned to say Cześć, which, which <laughs> you're nodding and you know means like, hi, and mm-hmm. also goodbye, and you kind of move your hand as if to be able to say hi and goodbye, to, which helps as a, so that if I, if I say Cześć, and I move my hand like that, like your listeners can't tell that I am, but you're nodding when you look at me, mm-hmm. that, you know, you get that I'm meaning the right word, mm-hmm. So even if I'm saying it wrong, it's okay. But so even even if without waiting. But I've, by I've learned to say "jinki," which is thanks, mm-hmm, things mm-hmm, like that, and mm-hmm. uh, and, cool. and <laughs> "jinki which is thank mm, you very nice. much. And apparently, <laughs> I'm saying it's okay, and I had a yeah. big effort to learn to say "fradszaf."
1: Also and, perfect.
2: <laughs> and 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 so what I'm and so this this thing that I've been working on is to be able to say to people, "Hey, so I've I've I've, I've, I've taken the time, I worked with somebody quite closely on this to be able to." To uh, to say to you, hey, welcome to SQL Day. I hope you have a great week. And so I I, I worked with this person I met, and she was very impressed with my pronunciation. She to she really seemed to get a lot out of speaking. So I, I hopefully, apparently, this is quite good. So let me try this, and I say, jesteś piękno kobieto, masz piękne oczy. Right? Yeah. Which is Nice. Very nice compliment. <laughs> right. Which of course means you're a very beautiful woman, yeah. you've got lovely eyes. True. Right? Yeah. Not at they all. They told you to. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Segel Day have I hope you have a nice week. But that's my joke for the week, and of course I told my wife that this <laughs> is what I was going to do and she thought it was funny and gave me the okay to do it, <laughs> because, and, you know, and I, I learned how to say that on of YouTube, <laughs> you know, like, I, really, I didn't work with anybody to be able to make that work and so on, I was, but but nice. the joke works okay, and so mm-hmm. the people in the audience just go, ah, ha, ha. he thinks he's saying welcome to Secret day, hope you, have, hope you have a nice week, and actually he's just saying you're a very beautiful woman right (laughs) just kind of so so there'll be the odd little joke like that that I'll that might occur to me in a few Mm -hmm. days before before something but I Mm -hmm. (laughs) really I'm just you know making sure that I know the technical stuff that I've got my narrative of the session Mm -hmm. so many sessions lose the narrative right somebody wants to have a session and they want to explain some concept and they just go, yeah, I'll explain everything that I know about some feature, and they and they make a slide deck where they just list feature after feature, and that's the, what they're gonna be talking about. And I go, oh my goodness, no! You need a narrative. You need to know how your talk flows to tell mm. a story, to keep people engaged, to be able to.
1: Otherwise, it would be boring, yeah.
2: It's well. Otherwise, it's actually it's not. It's not connected enough to be able to be mem- like to be mm. able to actually get into their brain properly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when you, it's not just a list of, of it's not just a list of facts. Mm-hmm. It's got to be, or even a list of features or explanations about features and so on. It's got to be a narrative, so that people see the progression of the talk as it a story. as it goes on. Mm-hmm. And so, in the days before a, a session, I'm making sure that i know that narrative i get how i'm going to segue from one thing into the next how i'm going to develop Mm -hmm, particular mm -hmm. ideas to be able to how i'm going to lead the people into the next thing and and so on and i feel like i i always i never always i always have a worry that i'm gonna you know miss a whole chunk of something when i move from something into something else not to the point that i want to have a slide deck that i'm leaning on too much to be able to 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 guide that, I want it to feel natural. I want it to feel like I'm having a conversation. I'm leading the conversation as we go, Mm -hmm. because because then I've got the audience, and they're not being distracted by slides. Mm -hmm. And if they and if the audience like wants to ask questions and starts taking a different direction, then sure, I can I can now explain that before I move on to that, and and I'm not I'm not dictated to. To buy the slides that I put together, where somebody asked a question, I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually my fourth point on this slide, so can we come back to that in a minute or anything like that? <laughs> I can happily answer the question and explain something mm-hmm. and then bring it back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and work that into the story that I'm telling. Yeah. But I need to really know the narrative and I always.
1: Yeah, the story and feel the it. flow, yeah? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but that's it. Yeah. So preparing for a talk is an interesting kind of concept. Yeah. And I do it differently, I think, to most people.
1: How much do you travel during the year? Or, or do you like traveling?
2: <laughs> um, I've been through phases where I've traveled an awful lot and at the moment I feel like I don't travel all that much. Um, so for example last year I did sickle Bits in, in the UK and I and I have various trips interstate around Australia, but, uh, and this year I went to the MVP Summit in the US, that was my, but that was my first time to the US in like two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, I, 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 Microsoft was getting me to travel around a lot to teach PDW at the Paramount Data Warehouse. And I toured and I in Malaysia and India three or four times, and Sri Lanka, and I stayed in one of the hotels that got blown up recently. And you know, in Auckland a few times in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and around Australia as well. And I and so I felt like then that I was travelling a lot. Mm-hmm. But in the last year or so, really not that much. I mean, travelling internationally out of Australia is a big effort. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> uh, but travelling within, within Australia is not too bad. And I've got employees in Melbourne, so I I feel like I'm in I'm in Melbourne. You know, for a day or so, quite frequently, uh-huh. and uh, and and I'll be there again in a few weeks time, but uh, but but most of my work is in Adelaide, where I live, and uh, and I try and I try and give those clients a lot of my time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't want to say that I avoid travel, but I I I try and be available for the community in Adelaide because you know I. I don't know what else they have. I don't know. It's just I try and make sure that when I have people in the community asking me for help with their with their databases and things like that, and my clients, of course, asking me for help with the way they're doing things. I want to. I don't want to be that. Oh no, sorry, I'm jet setting off somewhere else that week. I'd rather I'd rather be local and be able to help them with stuff. Mm-hmm. I love the SQL community around the world. It's great to come and hang out with guys like you. But but at the same time, I also like to be home and to be able to be available for the, the people in the SQL Server community, mm-hmm. where I live. Yeah.
4: Very parents. smoothly we go to the next question. Exactly, the next question is about uh, work-life balance. Do you feel yeah. if, if there is something like that? I'm not good at
2: taking holidays. I'm really not. I don't remember last time I took a holiday. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I have three kids, The two oldest uh, boys who, have, uh, who are both at university. And uh my oldest as I said got his wings today, he's doing to aviation. My second oldest is doing it from the jury and then I've got a big gap before my daughter who is eleven. Um, it was just about to start high school. Um, and, uh, and 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 I, I try and I mean there's there's always times when I work too late in the evenings and so on, but I <laughs> always try and, you know, be home and not you know and, and be available for them and uh, and so on, mm-hmm. but uh, and I you know I, I play musical instruments and things like that. I um, play my guitar regularly and uh, and so on. But
1: yeah, exactly. I, I saw the the, the video though, that that you were playing on the guitar with uh, bakudi
2: yeah? Oh yeah, back in 2011. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Are you still I
1: playing? I,
2: oh yeah. I mean I I, I play guitar every week. I you know it, uh, and. I, I don't write songs about SQL Server anymore, but that was that was fun for <laughs> you know a little bit. But uh, Buck and I are still good friends. Um, but yeah, the uh, I think in some ways it's still the thing that I'm most famous for around the SQL Server world, and it's uh, it's nearly eight years ago now. I need to find something different to be famous for. Maybe it's the Flip chart thing.
1: About the MVP, could you yeah. tell us about your MVP journey?
2: So I became an MVP in 2006, and uh, um, largely because I had taken over running the the SQL Server user group in Adelaide about a year and a bit earlier, and had helped turn it around and make it well attended again. And we I, I turned it from getting small numbers every so often when the group ran to having regular monthly meetings with and people wanted to hear the stuff that we were organizing and that i was organizing mm-hmm. including if i presented that was you know, still popular and we got we got good numbers up we generated a lot of interest in sql server locally and uh, and people in microsoft noticed that and one day i got the email saying congratulations you've been awarded there was before the concept of you got nominated and had to describe all the stuff that you do and all of that kind of stuff that wasn't how it was back in those days oh really? You, somebody from within Microsoft would recognize that you were influential and okay. one day you would get the award
1: so and previously it worked like only the Microsoft employee yeah, nominated and you and it was yeah. the, like totally yeah. internal processing
2: yeah mm-hmm. there was none of this thing where you got nominated and then you had to fill out a big questionnaire listing all the stuff that you do and all of that kind of thing it was entirely based on who within Microsoft recognises actually that you're influencing the community? Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, you know, I was the fifth SQL MVP in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've got about a dozen, you know, and so I think we've had even more over, over the years in between. But mm-hmm. but uh, it was the community was quite different then. You know, the MVP summits were you you got you, they were so much smaller than the one that was you know. The other month. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. but uh, you know and Microsoft paid for your flights to get to it and, oh, and things like that and it was it was a very different kind of experience to, mm-hmm. to being an MVP these days these days these days it feels like it's much more you know they, they they explain the things that you can do to try to become an MVP like blogging and answering questions on forums and all of these kinds of things in those days it didn't feel like there was a prescription to be able to be awarded it was simply based on if people within microsoft recognize that you have influence mm-hmm. then maybe they'll make it happen for you mm-hmm. so so i got an mvp award back then and then i got renewed every year since and I'm still mvp mm-hmm. the time being we'll when, it, when it was again okay. 2006 2006 mm-hmm. so
1: thirteen years
2: yeah long time mm-hmm. but uh it's I don't know. It's just one of those things where, I, for me, in many ways, the more significant thing is the fact that I've run the user group for all of that time and some, mm-hmm. and the people within t- in, within Adelaide and you know around Australia. Hopefully, when they think of SQL Server, hopefully yeah. I'm not too far from their their thoughts around that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and that, and that's good. It means that. You know, hopefully they'll reach out to me when they want some help with stuff, and hopefully I can help them.
3: Yeah.
2: And so on. I mean, not just for the sake of being able to earn a living from it and all that kind of stuff, but it's it's nice to be the somebody who people turn to when they when they need help with their data, when they feel like their data isn't serving them in the right kind of way, when they've got trouble with the data, when they've got you know all of that kind of stuff. I mm. like to be able to Cal- help people yeah. and help them be served by their data mm. better. Mm.
1: Mm. I sentence. <laughs> we need to remember that.
4: <laughs> what is the personal achievement that we are most proud of?
2: Probably seeing my kids grow up to be, you know, normal human beings. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think. Uh, I think. I think. Any time, I think for any parent, you see. You, you see your kids grow up and you have no idea if they're gonna survive in life and so on and and uh and i love the fact that my my now adult sons who still live at home but i love the fact that they that you know they're church people like like my wife and i are they they don't go to the same church that we go to but they've they've decided to keep going to church and they and they they seem to be on a good path, with, path career-wise, with their studies and their, the the avenues they're looking into to be able to establish careers, uh, which is their, which are their own decisions. Neither of them are getting into the database space, um, but uh, but they, you know, I. It gives me hope that clearly my wife and I have done something right, and uh, and gives me hope that my daughter, who's obviously still, yet to go through her teenage years. <laughs> will be, uh, you know, will also turn out normal and uh, and so on. Because I see so many people with, their yeah. you know, pulling their hair out over their kids and and so on. <laughs> and, I, and I like the fact that that you know my boys have survived those years and yeah. and have a bright future. And I think, and to me, that's way more significant than anything on the technical side. You know, that's a, mm-hmm. that's what matters. You know.
3: Yeah, true.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy (laughs) to be a parent.
2: (laughs) No, and it's uh, you know it's one of the reasons I'm heading home on Thursday morning because because uh, because I always feel like if I've you know people say oh you should stay longer and look around Poland some more and so on and I think yeah but but really I I want to be able to get home and you know Mm. be around the ones that actually matter you know if i i can always come back to poland one day yeah and potentially bring family and so on and yeah you know actually have a holiday here and explore the place and so on Ma- yeah maybe
1: spend time better yeah. right and with, with but, your whole family uh, uh, more fun
2: and not feel like i'm you know off somewhere by myself neglecting my family mm. yeah. hmm i get that i'm you know here as a as a work thing but that doesn't mean that but you know that doesn't mean that i shouldn't be trying to get home at the mm. end of it as soon as I say, as soon as I say uh, I'm going to spend a few extra days, and be a, and be a tourist afterwards, I'll feel like I'm in the wrong place.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While the
2: conference on, I'm totally fine about being here. Yeah. As soon as it's done, I feel like I'm in the wrong place. And I'm still here. I need to be going home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that probably relates back to the work-life balance thing as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. understandable. It's yeah. one
2: thing to be helping the client out with stuff until you know, the evening hours rather than just finishing at five o'clock. But uh if if that's what's needed. But but I'm not you know, but I'm working for the sake of my family. And if I'm over here at some conference when it's over, if I take a few extra days, that's not doing anything for my family. That's just doing something entirely for me. Mm. Which feels wrong to me.
1: What kind of hints would you give to young people who wanted to start working on the on the IT market? Let's say, yeah, we are talking about IT. That's
2: really tough. In some ways, I mean, I, I, I went to, for me, I went to university and I and I, I was good at comp sci and I was interested in comp sci. I did the AI thing and so on. I was, you know, I the AI and machine learning side you know fascinated me at the time and uh, and if I'd stayed on done a PhD, it would have been in that kind of area um, but then during my honors year I got offered a job in a consulting firm and I took that the lure of being able to earn money for my family mm-hmm. just, you know it helped but uh, and and really that's what cemented me in an IT career because because I was working in IT mm mm-hmm. Right. Before then, I, you know, who knows? Maybe I would have got a job in academia or something like that if I'd stayed on and done a PhD. You know, do you then become a, a lecturer, or a professor, or something like that? You know, a researcher,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something.
2: It's just so. But these days, people get into IT without even going to university, and so on. And I know. I don't really know what the, you know, how that kind of works. But. I would say for anybody who's getting into IT is, is is to be able to learn what what matters. I feel like I spent the first uh, how many years, you know, five or six or whatever it is years of, uh, of of my career not focusing on data. I was I was in application development just because it was that was what my job was doing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was only when I got to you know about 30 years old that I really kind of noticed that actually the thing that matters is the data. Everything else is just there to make management of the data better. The application is so that people can get data Mm -hmm. into the database Mm -hmm. or to report on the data or to be able to manipulate the data in the right kinds of ways. The thing that matters is the data. Mm -hmm. So for anybody who's getting into IT think about what matters to you. Maybe it's the data, maybe it's the...
1: And what do analysis you like, methods,
2: you know? And maybe it's all kinds of things like that. Maybe maybe you like being a sysadmin and you like to make sure that things are up. You know, but... But for me, that significant thing was the data. And and I feel like I probably spent too much time
3: mm-hmm.
2: not realising that, that the data was a thing. But also, I would say to people, look, understand the community and the value of the community spent a long time without even realizing that there was such a thing I was living in London when Pass had a, an event there in 2000 I had no idea hmm. And Like and many I,
1: of our young people basically Yeah, you know, yeah that, and that I think
2: to myself, man, if I had known hmm. as a 25-year-old living in London that Pass had you, an event on you,
1: your career oh goodness, at that have, time Right
3: hmm.
2: Maybe I would have had a, a, a very different path and got into the sequel earlier, and things like that, and been able to yeah you know, it just mm. could have been very different,
4: yeah so so I would say that people understand
2: <laughs> but the mm-hmm. same probably the same occurs these days in in any career, I would say to anybody it, well, no matter what they're doing, find a community of people that you can be part of mm. and that you can potentially be an influencer within, and you can actually. Yeah, a mover and shaker within that industry.
1: Talk to them, yeah. Be yeah. A, be on and yeah, do, do and the networking yeah? and, and be and a part of this. Sharpen each other and uh-huh.
2: and so on. Because because that'll that'll help. Mm-hmm. You know, help other people and that helps you. You'll be seen as a helpful person and that, that helps career wise and all of these kinds of things. That people just don't necessarily seem to get at all. Because most people are just focused on themselves when they're, you know, when they're trying to get their career going, mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. they actually understand the community aspect and trying to aim at the things that matter, mm-hmm. then they'll probably have an easier time.
1: Yeah, and uh, how 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 would you describe your current role? This is like more like uh, death role, DBA role, BI oh, right, role. It's what
2: it's are you doing the, the most time? Thing? I would describe myself as a consultant helping people with whatever the thing is that they need, helping them be more effective with their data, helping people, helping people do whatever it is that they need to do. It might sometimes it's doing that uh, that um, that DBA type stuff. Sometimes it's being able to help them with the strategic use of their data. Sometimes it's about you know the BI side and getting you know being able to produce the right reports that they need to be able to actually mm-hmm. help them. With their data and, and the the type of work that I'm doing is very dependent on where the customers are with their in their overall data story with their data maturity with their quality with their whether they're further down the track. Sometimes it's helping people with uh, with AI pieces and being able to help them answer questions. The and this is across across my whole business. It's the same kind of thing that my employees will do for for our customers. It's it's Helping them do better with their data. It's not. It's not helping their data stay up. We don't do managed services. It's just helping them improve Mm -hmm. what that is. So sometimes it's sometimes it's database dev stuff, sure. Sometimes it's you know tuning and index stuff. Sometimes it's migrations, helping them get off what they're on and potentially into the cloud and things like that. Quite often it's it's proper BI where we're doing power BI for stuff and helping people get into their data and understand their data better and and sometimes it's AI and we're helping people ask questions with the data and train models and be able to then say okay now now what are you going to do with this now that you know this answer mm-hmm. and what are you going to do with it if we can get an answer for you this and ha- what's happening with all of this and but it's still still all part of that overall data, data story piece. Top.
1: Generally data platform. <laughs> Absolutely, it's,
2: it's, it's data platform, it's analytics, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all of that, but I don't call myself a DBA or a mm-hmm. DB developer or, or whatever, I just consult. I call myself a consultant mm-hmm. because, yeah, because I'm happy to consult in whatever they need. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think about current trend of migration to cloud? Is it going to replace SQL Server on-premise?
2: I, I think I think the location of the infrastructure w- is becoming increasingly irrelevant to people. I think uh, I think it used to be that you know if you needed a SQL Server environment, you used to have to just ask the IT department in your organisation and they would arrange it for you. And these days, it's really not that different. You just just you know you're asking Microsoft or Amazon or whatever as as to be able to provision your new SQL server. Right. You're just asking a different crowd. Maybe you're still asking the IT department and they're provisioning one for you in the cloud instead of on prem. To people, they shouldn't care mm-hmm. where their data is, how it's being managed and so on. That should be left to the people who can who are happy to manage that. And whether that's whether they're doing that using cloud or whether they're doing that on prem shouldn't matter to mm-hmm. the to the people that the data is actually trying to serve. it matters for the people serving the data. it doesn't matter for the people for whom the, you know that the, 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 the data is, is serving and mm-hmm. that's where I prefer to, to live with the people that the data is serving helping them be served better by right. all.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you learned recently and what is the next item on your learning
2: list? I don't tend to have many items on my learning list. I tend to find that, uh, that um, I mean, I see new features come through and I go, oh, I want to be able to learn more about that, and so on, and that I, feel, I feel like that's a continuous thing, but I don't have a formalized list of, I need to check this off, I need to check this off, I need to learn about that, I need to learn about the other. Um, I, uh, I, I think there are areas that continue to evolve that that mean that uh, that the list of things to learn within that space is worth developing some more you know I, I um, and I think the I think the intelligence area is is big with that whether it be our services or running Python within the, the thing and but the concept of training models and all of that kind of stuff is something that i want to continue to develop because i've done I've done plenty of that kind of stuff but i feel like it's 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 still an area that i think you could spend a very long time making sure that you're you're an expert in
1: could be better exploring huh?
2: you, could, you could you could you know go cave diving in that stuff for months you know years yeah as it continues to evolve just in front of you and i think uh but at the same time, look, I, really the things that I want to learn is more about my clients, you know, mm. when I, whenever I've got a new client I'm trying to, you know, that's what I'm wanting to learn about, what are they trying to do with stuff, what, are, what can we put in that's going to make that work better, and as I learn about the clients I, I, I end up going, oh actually you know what I think, you know, Azure functions might be good for them because the bits that I've heard seems to actually fit and then that leads me to dive a bit deeper into the tech to really find out whether it does suit the client and see whether actually I've got things that might not mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. particularly might, might make it less of a match but, but the driving thing is always how can I get to know my clients better rather than how can I get to know some tech better that's the thing that that's the thing that makes me interested is the is what's happening with the people mm-hmm. rather than what's mm-hmm. happening with the tech. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, it's even better that the, the, the ideas and the needs are about learning comes from that part yeah. of yeah. business or area. People
2: mm-hmm. are way more interested than tech. Tech moves quicker, sure, but people is where people are interesting.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Tech is tech is just tech, tech mm-hmm. come and mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so on. People are what matter.
1: Rob, at the end of our conversation, uh, tell us where we can find you. Where probably in
2: my room sleeping, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but don't find me there. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: T- <laughs> tell us uh, your, your room number.
2: <laughs> I'm room 101, which means I'm in, the according to the book, 1984. That's the room that you get sent into when you need to just be disappeared. <laughs> so I, I think it's probably quite appropriate that I'm room 101. But, uh, that maybe fits, um, but uh, yeah, in the inter- so in yeah, the internet. So, yeah. <laughs> so when I get back home from uh, from from this trip to Poland, um, I've got a there's a few weeks until I suppose sequel Saturday season in uh, in Australia. The some of the Redgate Redgate team are coming down for some sequel in the City Down Under events across Australia and New Zealand, and um, and. I'm definitely going to be in Melbourne for the Sequel Saturday there in mid June. Um, I'm tempted, but not definite, to go to Brisbane as well. On mm-hmm. 31st of May. It's only a couple weeks away, but uh, ah, so
1: we will not publish this uh, interview until so so that that fast. <laughs> That's fine. No, but I, I mean, uh, uh, um, yeah. So. We know that we can find you on many conferences, like SQL Saturdays, yeah, as you mentioned. And what about the the internet? Where the people can find you in the internet? Are you on Twitter? people
2: track me down. I tend to find that if people uh, if people search for my name plus you know SQL, they tend to be able to find me on on standard Google searches. But uh, I mean, I'm I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter as Farley I mm-hmm. I'm easily emailed. Um my company, Doctor Solutions, of course, is very findable. And uh and and I'm always happy to anybody can DM me on Twitter, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the thing of only people that I follow can DM me. now. I don't let anybody send me messages. Mm-hmm. and uh
1: But you know that not everyone can DM you. Until you are not following them.
2: No, no, no. I've got the setting <laughs> so anybody can DM.
1: Ah you, ah, you can you can set up yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't That's know
2: a that. You can ah, okay. So anybody can can DM me. Oh, okay, cool. And I and I say bye sorry. So I,
1: I was not aware
2: <laughs> You need to change that setting <laughs> if you're welcome. Well, it depending on whether you want people to contact yeah, yeah, you or not. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, totally I don't mind as, as well. People, mm-hmm. Yeah. I I I understand that a lot of people don't want to be to mm-hmm. let. Just anybody send them a message on on Twitter. For me, no, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Good to know. I, uh, but, but yeah, people can track me down that way. They can send me emails and so on. And if they, especially mm-hmm. if they, they, say, oh, I heard an interview with you, or I saw you at a conference or something like that, then I definitely try and answer them.
4: And it, yeah, that's all of our questions. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the for your time. Thanks a lot for coming here to Wrocław, to Poland. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you very
2: much. It's (laughs) been fun. I uh, I, I hope I get to come back to Poland again sometime again.
0: Thank you for joining us, listening to this podcast and time spent jointly. You can find this podcast on the website, sequelplayer.net. Share this episode if you like it, and let us know if you want to hear a specific person from the SQL community, or maybe about an interesting topic of technology.